Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Man, if you're, thanks for being with us in person, and thanks for joining us online as well. I would encourage you, if you're watching online, go ahead and log in and chat with us. Let us know where you're watching from. Man, maybe use some emojis. Let us know what the weather looks like from wherever you're watching. Uh, that would be great. Today's a beautiful day. Amen. And uh, man, we're so excited to be jumping into the last part of our series that we've entitled The Passion the last seven days of the life of Jesus. Before we jump in, can you do me a favor? Can you put your hands together and thank our worship team and all of our volunteers who are serving today? Man, crushed it this morning. So, so, so good. And so over the last seven weeks as we've been preaching this series, uh, we've been looking at the last final seven days of the life of Jesus. And today is the cornerstone of the Christian faith, which is Resurrection Sunday. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of John chapter 20. We're going to be looking at a bunch of number, uh, a number of verses in chapter 20 and then also in verses or in chapter 21. Starting in verse 1, it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And in verse 8, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. One more time, can we celebrate the resurrected Savior this morning? Come on. He is alive. He is well. The stone was rolled away and the tomb is empty this morning. Amen? Come on. So today as we land on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the majority of the real estate of the resurrection um, wasn't necessarily found in the resurrection, but in the fact that Jesus was showing up. He was showing up to so many different people. On, on Resurrection Sunday, we see that he showed up uh, about five times. And then after that, at least seven to ten more times, he showed up. And I'm so grateful this morning that he loves us so much that he still shows up. Amen? He still shows up. And I don't know about you. I look at this account and I wonder, if I was Jesus, who would I show up to? Right? So just dream with me this morning. If you were Jesus... Who would you show up to? Who would be the first person? Some of you may be like, well, it'd be my mama, right? I mean, she, she got to see, she experienced uh, what Jesus went through on the cross, and so it would be normal. It'd be natural, like, hey, mama, I just want you to know I'm good, right? What the enemy meant for harm, look what dad has done, and I'm good, and I'm alive. You don't have to worry. But maybe there's a side, and I, I kind of have this side. Like, if I was Jesus, I'd probably show up to Pilate. Right? If, you, if you've ever read the scripture, uh, Pilate is the one who condemned Jesus to death. It was him. So even his wife was like, listen, Pilate, I don't think this is a good idea. 
actually think this is a horrible idea. I had a dream, and this is bad. This man should not be crucified. He should not pay the death, the penalty that he's about to pay. And so this is a bad idea. So I probably would have showed up in a dream. <laughs> and I'd have gotten next to his bed and been like, it was a bad idea. <laughs> and then I would have left the room real quick and then let him fall back asleep. And then I would have showed back up and been like, boo, right? Like I would have messed with him. But that's me. Yeah, I, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Okay. I just want it to be known. But that's just a little bit of me and maybe what I'd show up. And so maybe it's his mom, maybe it's Pilate, or maybe it's the religious people of the day, the religious sect. So the Pharisees, the Sadducees, right? And, and the difference between the two religious sects is the Sadducees did not believe in the bodily resurrection. So there's no resurrection from the dead. So can you just imagine the Sadducees are all gathered and they're studying the word and all of a sudden Jesus just says, oh, surprise! Like, I think that would be kind of a cool moment. But when we read in the text, Jesus doesn't show up to his mom. He doesn't show up to Pilate. He doesn't show up to the religious people. The first person he shows up to was a woman named Mary. And when he shows up to her, it shows me that Jesus values everybody. It, 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 when he shows up, it shows us that Jesus accepts who others reject. Did you hear me? It, it shows that Jesus accepts who others reject. If you've ever felt rejected, if you've ever uh, felt like I'm not valuable, I'm not good enough, if you ever picked last during dodgeball, I want you to know that Jesus accepts who others reject. And I'm so grateful that he, he shows up in those moments of our life. This morning, we're going to look at three people who Jesus showed up to. So let's see, set the scene a little bit, right? We read the biblical account. The disciples come running. I think scripture is so interesting. I don't know if you caught, the, the, we read out the book of John, and it says that they ran ahead. The other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, <laughs> right? He, so the Holy Spirit allowed that to be in there, but that's John saying, Jesus loves me, and Peter came too. And then it says they went running, and the disciple who outran Peter that was me, right? And we get to the tomb. And what do we see? We see this wonderful account of who Jesus would show up to. Now the disciples have left, and it's just Mary. And she stays because she's heartbroken. And the Bible says in John chapter 20, verses 11 through 14, it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? It draws me into the fact that she was hurting, and it, it lets us know that when you're hurting, heaven notices. Right? When you're hurting, heaven notices. It says the two angels right, that were there had asked, why are you crying? What, what is this brokenness you're experiencing? So when you're hurting, heaven notices. The text goes on to say that they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And see, in this moment, we see Jesus showing up to Mary. And I want you to know that Jesus shows up in our brokenness. It reminds me that Jesus shows up in our brokenness. Here she was crying and weeping because she didn't know where they had taken Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus shows up in her brokenness. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is more than welcome and he's so happy to show up in our brokenness. And maybe you're like, well, what are you talking about? Maybe, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe you're, like, you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, I didn't think it would be playing out the way it's played out. I thought it would be the house and the cars and the white picket fence and my children would obey every command I've ever said. Or maybe you find yourself single this morning and you're like, I've been waiting. 
I've been praying for Mr. or Mrs. Wright, and they're just not here. I want you to know that Jesus shows up in our brokenness. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a child who's walking through some tough scenarios at school. Maybe there's a struggle. Maybe there's a child struggling with addiction. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe you've received a, a doctor's report and you're like, this is, this is not what I wanted to see. Or, or maybe it's the stress of a job. Right? You're stressed and you don't understand it. And you, you feel like, man, when I leave work, I can't actually leave work. And when I get home, I'm not present because of the stress. Or maybe it's unfulfilled dreams. You look at your life and you're like, man, I, I didn't know this is where I would be. I thought for sure I'd have more in my, my 401k. I thought for sure things would be different. I didn't know that this would be my purpose. Or maybe it's broken promises. Maybe you've been lied to. Maybe you have a, you've had a family member come against you. Or maybe it's death itself. You're grieving the loss of someone you love. I want you to know in all of those scenarios and all of those accounts, Jesus shows up in our brokenness. And so whatever that is for you this morning, I want you to know he's here to show up. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, he still shows up, right? He's say it like you mean it though. You guys say, he still shows up. He's in the business of showing up. So he shows up to Mary and that means he shows up in our brokenness. And, and then we see another person he shows up and that's to doubting Thomas. The Bible gives a description of a group of disciples getting together after the resurrection, but Thomas was not one of them, right? Thomas believed after the death of Jesus, the mission's over. Like, I got nothing. I, I, I gave my life, and I was following Jesus, and, and now he's gone, and so it's it. It's over, and I'll, I'm just going to go back to doing whatever it is I was doing before I started following Jesus. And you would think that Jesus would have been like, you know what? You missed your chance, Thomas. You blew it. I was here, and you weren't here. But in John chapter 20, we see in verse 24 through 26, it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. So this biblical account lets us know that Jesus shows up in our doubt. Right? He shows up in our brokenness and he shows up in our doubt. Can you just imagine, can you see it, the disciples rubbing it in, the other disciples, like, Jesus, like, Thomas, don't you see, Jesus was here, but you missed him. Like, he came back, and he showed up, and we were all here, and you weren't here, and then Thomas draws that line in the sand. No, he may have been here, but unless I can touch, unless I can put my finger in those scars, unless I can put my, my finger in his side, I'm not going to believe. And I wonder if you relate to Thomas this morning. I wonder if you find yourself in doubt because you came in. Maybe this is your first experience with church and you were like, bro, I don't know. The, the, the team up here and the musicians, they were, they were doing great. But then the people and they were shouting and they were clapping and they were raising of hands just seemed like they were a little bit too passionate, right? I don't understand it all. I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't understand what's taking place. Or maybe you find yourself in a season of doubt because maybe you've walked through a season of pain and you're like, but if God is so good, then Why? And maybe you find yourself there. I want you to know this morning that your doubt will not detour the love of Jesus, right? The doubt that you have is not going to be a detour for the love of Jesus. He loved Thomas so much that he shows up a second time. What? Like, Thomas, you doubted and you missed it. And Jesus is like, he missed it, but I'm going to give him another shot. And I'm so grateful that Jesus gives us all another shot. 
and then another shot, and then another shot, because it's in that doubt that he shows up. And here it is in John chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, do you see this? And then he said to Thomas, for real, Thomas? For real? Like, I, I was discipled you for three years, and then you, you have to see the scars? For real? Thomas, are you for real? Like, when I was with you, you got to see the miraculous. Like, the dead raised to life. The withered hand became whole. The deaf could, the deaf could hear. The blind could see. Thomas, are you for real? Like, you got to experience all that. Thomas, are you for real? The doors are locked. And I'm here. I don't know if you caught that. The doors were locked and Jesus is like, that ain't going to stop me. Just come through the wall. Like whatever it is. And are you for real? I wonder if Jesus said, hey, listen, Thomas, it will be your doubt that keeps you from experiencing my fullness in your life. Here's what I love. That Jesus didn't say any of that. He didn't say any of that to Thomas. He reaches out in such a powerful way. And I love what he did for Thomas because I think he, believe, he does it for all of us. Is Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus meets us where we are. He, he, he takes the step to Thomas and then asks Thomas to reach out. Right here's what it says in the text. It says, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And I love Thomas's response. My Lord and my God. Right, do you see this? It's in his doubt that Jesus could have been like, that's enough. No, you don't get to see that. Right? If you just would have believed, Thomas, and then I would have accepted you. I would have embraced you. I would have said you're one of mine. You're my 12. But no, that's not. But Jesus says, Thomas, I see you, and I've heard you, and I'm going to meet you right where you're at. Wherever you're at, Jesus is going to meet with you. So we see him showing up to the broken, to the doubting, and then lastly, Jesus shows up in our failure. We see the, the disciple, the apostle Peter, in the moment in, in scripture, Jesus has a conversation with Peter that says, hey, listen, Peter, I want you to know, man, you're going, I just want you to bring you in on this, that you're going to deny me before the rooster crows three times. And, and Peter has this moment, if you read it in the text, it's like, no, right? It's this Braveheart moment of freedom. Like he's, he's like, no, Jesus, whatever you do, wherever you go, I die for you. And then some high school, maybe even some junior high kids come up. We're like, Peter, weren't, weren't you with Jesus? Me? Not me. No, that wasn't me. That was somebody else. That was John. He's going to run faster than me anyway. It wasn't me, right? No, no, no. Right? And the junior high, another kid. Hey, tell me, Peter, weren't you with that Jesus? Nope. Wasn't me. And so just as Jesus had said, just as he had predicted, Peter denies Jesus. And his response to his failure is typically the response to ours, which is shame. In Mark's account, uh, we read out of the book of John that, that the angels say, hey, listen, Mary, go tell the disciples. And in the book of Mark, it, it, the, the angels tell Mary this, go tell the disciples and Peter. Right? As in, hey, listen, Peter, I know what you've done, but I want you to know I see you. I know what you said, and I know you said it wasn't going to happen, but I knew it was going to happen. So I want you to know that you can go tell the disciples and Peter, as in, I still love you, Peter. I'm still here for you, and I'm going to show up in the midst of your failure. 
So Jesus could have showed up to the religious. He could have showed up to those who are falsely accusing him. But he shows up to those who are hurting, doubting, and failing. In John chapter 21, verses 15 and 17, this is a resurrect, another showing up. Jesus is having breakfast with the disciples, the resurrected Jesus. And then he begins to have a conversation with Peter, right? The Peter who had failed him. And now in this moment, in verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. He said, you know that I love you, right? And and again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he he said to him, and Simon, son of John, do you love me? And, And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all the things and you know that I love you. And Jesus again replied, feed my sheep. Now understand, Jesus is using the word love. But understanding in the, in the Greek, which is what the New Testament is written, the Greek is, is so much more aggressive than our English language. So we say things like, I love, and we can say statements like, I love hibachi, or I love my wife, or I love ice cream. And we only have one word to describe that emotion. But in the Greek, they have multiple words that describe love. There's a a storge, which is a a parent with a child. It's a natural affection. There's an eros, which is where we get the word erotic. And so this is a physical love. And then the word in the Greek is phileo. It's a love between friends. And then lastly, we, we see the word agape. Agape is a love that's unconditional. It says, no matter what you do, I love you. And that's the love that our Father has for us. It's an agape. It's a broken, it's a hurting, it's a failing, and I agape you. And so in our text, it's very interesting. Because when he asks, Peter, do you love me? What Jesus asks is, do you agape me? Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditional? And then Peter responds, but here's the difference. Peter changes the word. Peter doesn't respond with, I agape you. He responds with, I phileo you. And so what we see with Peter is, is, is in his failure, he changes the word. See, Peter struggled with maybe something that we struggle with sometimes, that we wrongly believe that failure separates us from family. Like, Jesus, I'd love to be able to respond to you, but I can't say agape because you know what I've done. I can love you like a friend, but, but Jesus, you know what I did on Thursday? You, you, you predicted it and it happened. And so when you say agape, I say phileo and, and Jesus responds again. Do you love me? And I love what Jesus says after the response. Then feed my sheep. Take care of the lambs. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, despite your past, I can still use you. Right? Your past does not define you. It refines you for his purposes. Did you hear me? Your past does not define you. It refines you for his purposes. Everything that you have walked through, what you have experienced, God can and will use it for his good and for his glory. It's who he is. It's in the business that he's able to do. It's it's not even second nature. It's his first nature to love and love unconditionally. It's an agape love. 
that he sees past, he sees past your past and sees what you can be into the future and in the present. It's his canning ability to love you in such a way that he sees past it. And so he tries again and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter replies, yes, I love you. I phileo you. Take care of my sheep. But then Jesus asks a third time. How many times did he deny? And how many times did he ask? I don't know if you're catching that there, right? I denied three. Now I'm asking you three times, do you love me? And Peter's a little distressed, but I want you to hear something. And this is so important. So I want you to watch this. If you're tracking, this is the moment to track. Because Jesus, in that original Greek, when he asked the third time, do you love me? He changes the word. He doesn't use agape. He uses phileo. He came to where Peter was at. And he's coming to where you're at today, right now, right here, and in this moment. And he's saying, do you love me? me do you love me because he's meeting you whether you're broken whether you're hurting whether you're doubting or whether you have failed and I'm so grateful that even in our failure Jesus never gives up on us he never gives up on us and God always he's always been treating us this way this is not new. This is not a resurrection uh, only on Easter. This is from the beginning of creation. Adam and Eve, sin. They, they jack it up. They mess up the creation. And now they're naked and they're ashamed and they're hiding in the garden, the garden that was for them. They just couldn't eat of the one tree and yet they did. And now all of a sudden in their shame, they're hiding. And now all of a sudden they hear the noise and the wrestling. Who is coming? And it's God. God shows up in the midst of their hurt, in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the doubt, in the midst of their failure. God shows up and here's what he asks. Where are you? Where are you? And I wonder if he's crying that out today for each and every one of us, for those watching online. Where are you? Because I'm here. I'm showing up. I'm here for the broken. I'm here for the doubter. I'm here for the failure. I love the fact that he knows where you are, but he's willing to meet you where you are. Right? So the, it's not like it's a, a conundrum that he can't figure it out. He knows. And not only does he know, he's willing to meet you right where you are. So it starts and we see it in Genesis and then we see it him showing up to, to others and throughout the resurrection, but it doesn't end there because in the book of Revelation chapter three, he's still looking. It starts with him looking and it ends with him looking. It says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I, and opens up the door, I will come in and eat with this person and they with me. So this morning, he's standing at the door knocking if there is a thousand steps between you and Jesus, I want you to know this morning that he will take 999 of them. He's only gonna ask you to open the door for the final step. That's it. He's asking you to do one thing, to open up the door to say, God, I know that you're here. It's in my brokenness. It's in my doubt. It's in my failure that you still show up and he's showing up today. And I'm so grateful that he shows up in powerful and passionate ways. And he meets us right where we're at. Jesus is in the business of showing up when we least deserve it and when we least expect it in our brokenness, doubts, and failures. And so this morning, in just a moment, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna ask a question because he's standing at the door and he's knocking. 
And I'm gonna ask the question, where are you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And are you willing to open the door? But here's what I want you to do. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning, you're like, man, I, I was connecting in the song and, and man, the preaching, I understand, but I want you to know there's more. And so for just a moment, I just want you to listen. I want you to be like a sponge in his presence. I want you to be absorbent. I want you to listen and to read the lyrics on the screen and say, Jesus, are you speaking to me? Is this for you? Is this personal? Everything that he did on the cross, if it was, if it was just you on planet earth, he would have done it. He would have given his life. He would have, he would have been sacrificed knowing that we were without hope and he wanted to give us hope. So for just a moment, would you make this personal? Would you listen and say, Jesus, are you knocking? Because I wanna be obedient to open that door. There in crown of thorn and thistle, King of Jews was on a cross, bloodied and broken, crimson river flowing down. As darkness fell upon Calgotha, tortured body wrapped in shroud, our Messiah laid beneath the ground. Now we curse upon his shoulders with our sin. Perfect lamb led to the slaughter as a ransom for our souls. One last act and it was finished. Power of sin and veil were torn. On this cross was our victory won. By his love we would overcome.
bring life into the body of the Lamb who had been slain. Resurrecting like a lion as the storms rolled away. One last time, it says, all creation roars. Come on, let's make a holy roar this morning. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. You are so good, Lord. This morning, I'm just going to ask you for a moment to just close your eyes, because I want this to be a very personal, private moment for each and every person in the room, those watching online. We have a host that would love to pray with you. He is a personal God and he desires and longs for a personal relationship with each of us. So he said to Adam and Eve, where are you? In Revelation chapter three, I stand at the door and knock and anyone, anyone who opens that door, man, I'll come in. I'll come in in the midst of the brokenness. I'll come in in the midst of the doubt. I'll come in in the midst of the failure, and I will eat, and they with me. So this morning, the reason I want this to be a private moment is because it's an opportunity for us to open the door, to open the door of your heart. Right? The, the, the stone was rolled away and the tomb is empty, and that provides an opportunity for us to surrender. So if you're here this morning, you're watching online, you'd say, that's, that's for me. The lyrics, the, the words that were shared from John chapter 20 and 21, those were for me. And I wanna give my life to Jesus. I want, I want my life to, to, to matter. I wanna have purpose and I, I want him to meet me right here in my brokenness and in my pain and in my doubt and in my failures. I want him to agape me and to love me. I'm here to let you know he already does. 
our response is, will we love him back? So if you're this morning with no one looking around, you'd say, I want to give my life to Jesus on this resurrection Sunday. Would you just simply raise your hand toward heaven? I'm not going to call you out. All I'm going to do is pray with you. A host would love to pray with you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just raise it. We're not going to call you out. We're going to pray with you. So dear Jesus, we pray for every hand and every heart that was open to you, that said, God, I want you to come on in. Lord, I pray that in this moment that you would fill every fiber of their being with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would saturate them from head to toe with your love, with your grace, and with your mercy. God, as all of us admit that we need you, we need a Savior because we could not do what only you could do, which was to give your life as a ransom for all. And God, we believe that you are the one true Son of God, that the way to eternal life, the way, the way to, to heaven is only through you. And so we surrender to you this morning and we confess. We confess that doubt, those failures, and the brokenness. And we confess it so we can experience your life, which is a life to the full. So Lord Jesus, would you do what only you can do and come on in as we open the door of our hearts to receive you. Father, this morning, I pray that this isn't just another Resurrection Sunday. This isn't just another Easter Sunday, but God, would you solidify in our hearts this morning that it's not just something you, you did today, but you, you've been doing it from the beginning of creation, that you've been meeting us right where we're at, and I'm so thankful for that. So Father, would you continue to stir in us a love for you, a love for one another, and a love for ourselves. We give you praise and glory in all things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This morning, we, we started off with worship, right? Our response to a love that was so sacrificial and so life-giving is, is a response of praise, is a response of gratitude, a response of thankfulness that, that the old us is gone and there is a new us that's able to worship. And so would you stand to your feet this morning? Would you lift up your hands and lift up your voice and thank Him that all our sins are gone this morning?